Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast, another road version. Rivals Krug City, Nick Kruger, and myself, Woody Womack, on the road in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Rob, sitting home in sunny Miami. How are you enjoying it down there? Uh, you know, it's better than living in a hotel and, you know, eating whatever crappy Hattiesburg uh, barbecue is available to us. I'm, uh, you know, actually living in a, a city with, with actual buildings and a uh, beach and other first world anonymities. So that's good. Shots fired at Letha's Barbecue. We just told people to go there last week, and now you're already good, man. out. No, no, no. Here's the thing. You know, it's very good on the Hattiesburg scale. But, you know, I went to college in Kansas. I spent a lot of time in the Kansas City area. Yeah, here we go. When it comes to, when it comes to barbecue, man, my nose is so far up in the air. It's, I mean, I can, you know, I can realize my faults, and that's one of it. I'm a total barbecue snob. When we left there, though, you, you did say it was good. So It was. But, no, it was just, fine I mean, for what it was. I mean, for Hattiesburg, it's a 10. For Kansas City, it would be a solid 6. Okay, so there you go. So listen, we got all kinds of topics going on. Uh, crazy coaching carousel continues to spin now with the assistant coaches. Let's jump right into it. Jeremy Pruitt gets the defensive coordinator job at Alabama, leaving Georgia, a move that uh, surprised some of us. I think uh, Andrew Bone last week, I don't know if it was on the podcast or just in our conversations, said he expected that to happen. It does happen, and now all of a sudden we have all these players that were looking at Georgia uh, now looking at Alabama. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that happened because it was a give and take, you know, when <laughs> when when they hired Alabama hired Smart. Uh, this is kind of the reverse effect now. So now these classes are kind of like been crossfired a little bit, I think. And you've got a guy like Ben Davis who was looking at both to begin with, and now coaches are switching places, and he's still looking at both, but maybe in a different light. It's really interesting how this kind of dynamic has played with these two schools in the last month, you know. Well, the guy that that really I think is people need to watch out for is uh, Nicole Hardman, the five-star athlete been been looking at Georgia been basically committed I mean if you really feel around about it he shows up there he shows up with Georgia gear on plenty of times now all of a sudden he, he said basically keep Pruitt if you want to keep me if you're Georgia now Pruitt's at Alabama he was already looking at them and I think that's that's one guy that we could see Pruitt steal I think he could steal a couple of these guys five-star defensive tackle Derek Brown has also been mentioned uh, heavily I know Andrew Bone was actually hitting me up today trying to get him on the phone. So Pruitt's one of those dynamic personalities that recruits like. I don't know how much adults like him. Uh, you know, similar to myself, I would say. <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can steal people. Now, the question is, do you think he's going to have the same kind of coaching responsibilities that he had at Georgia, or is he kind of going to be reined in a little bit under Saban? You'd think he'd be reined in a little bit under Saban. I mean, Saban's kind of got that reputation as a guy that likes to kind of have his handprint on everything that happens at Alabama. I don't know if they're going to let him, uh, you know, be as, as open with everything as he was over there in Georgia. I'm interested to see what happens and if this affects Isaac Nada at all. I mean, I know he wasn't Isaac's primary recruiter, but, I mean, Isaac was looking at both schools heavily, man. And now that he's over there, I wonder what the relationship is there. I know that he was considering Alabama to begin with. And, you know, I wonder if this gives them another shove or if, you know, it's still Georgia. I still think it probably is Georgia is the school to beat. And um, if that's please siren is picked up on here, it's because I live in the hood. So I, I think you may have heard that on the podcast. Well, we, we can't decide if uh, we can't decide if you're, you know, hoity-toity rich guy or if you're living in the hood down there in Carroll City. It's just one, hey, one man, or I'm the a- other. I'm a man of the people. I live in Coral Gables, but there's still police here. So uh, you mentioned Nada. I've said several times, even to our Georgia fans at UGASports.com, that 
He's coming. I think he's going to Georgia. I'm going to stick with that despite the the presence of Pruitt. But just kind of uh, expanding this out a little bit, what do you think it is about these guys that get this reputation kind of as being legendary recruiters? And what are they doing? What do they do? What makes what makes him a better recruiter than you know Kirby Smart or somebody else like that? Look, man, I think you know what's what's weird about these guys that get these reputations is. They're always recruiting to a school that has history and facilities. I mean, there's no legendary recruiters at Kansas, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm not saying that every every job recruits itself, but you know, it's easier to become a legendary recruiter at Georgia or at Alabama than it is at Iowa State. Um, so you know, right place, right time is a lot of it. I think that you know, kids like some youth and exuberance, uh, somebody that's relatable. I mean, you can't have somebody that's you know not. <laughs> uh, socially advanced recruiting, but if, if you've got a guy that's you know not just completely uh, a piece of sheetrock recruiting to a program with facilities and some history, I think that you can you know it kind of lends itself to to that term you know great recruiter, and we throw that around maybe a little bit too much. I thought Nick was going to have to get the bleep button ready there when you said piece of sheetrock. That was a close call. So uh, someone someone who, you know, we've really been watching, we've talked about, seems like every episode now since we started this show is Jacob Eason. Uh, I saw, you know, his dad had talked today or, you know, who who knows, his PR arm had released some type of statement his or whatever. PR arm. I am experiencing Jacob Eason fatigue, Woody. Are you experiencing Jacob Eason fatigue? Oh, geez. Tell me about it. I mean, you know, between, I feel like, uh, I feel like he belongs on TMZ Sports. Are we sure that it was actually uh, Jacob Eason's dad and not somebody pretending to be Jacob Eason's dad? <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, it was just like a homeless guy that was like, hey, I'm Jacob Eason's dad. And nobody nobody, nobody bothered to, to check the source. That's kind of what's well, been going on here, though, right? Well, I did see he when one of the quotes, he did use the word deal. So no word on whether Jason Howell uh, was actually the, the person being quoted there. But... Uh, you, you know, it, it, it is, it's crazy. It's, people are trying to get out there, put their name out there. You see his high school coach, you know, obviously that's a guy who people are going to call. Uh, he's involved in the process. But at the same time, there's about two or three people who know what's going on with Jacob Eason. That's him and his parents. Everyone else is kind of just guessing, even even coaches kind of on edge right now, not knowing and, and trying to figure out what's going on. I, I think, though, you know, last week I said I thought he sticks with Georgia. I'm starting to get a little bit of a Florida vibe just from the way this has kind of played out. He took his official visit to Georgia this past uh, weekend. We saw Nicole Hardman, the five-star, come out and talk about it and say how much he loved it. But you know, everyone loves their official visit. Now I think uh, it's crunch time. Does he stick with these guys he knows or does he stick? Does he go you know, with an uh, offensive coordinator he's comfortable with, especially considering Georgia you know, just brought in another new guy that he's not familiar and we with? Sh- and we should remind that, that- – He's an early enrollee, so it's not like he can take this to signing day. This thing needs to happen. <laughs> there needs to be a decision, and it needs to happen swiftly. Uh, I am still in that he's going to stick with Georgia camp. They'll be very slightly. I have one foot in each camp probably. But, you know, I think yeah, that like- when stuff like this happens and it's so unknown that if you're somebody like Jacob Eason, you tend to stick with the status quo, I think. I mean, there's a reason he committed there in the first place. He's comfortable on campus there. I'm not going to rule Florida out, obviously. Like I said, I've got this, I'm as undecided on this as I've ever been about anything, uh, especially because Jacob isn't in my region. He's, you know, Blair Angulo's problem out there in the upper Northwest uh, to deal with him. But everything that I've heard from, you know, the, the college end would lead me to believe that there's, you know, it's 50-50 and maybe a slight logic would dictate that maybe there's a slight uh, Georgia tick of advantage. 
I think it's going to come out sometime soon, though. I think I would be surprised if we get through this week and weekend, you know, if we get to Christmas uh, without it being out there on the market. So you mentioned yeah, how we'll much you get hit. out there before this podcast hits. If our luck is any like <laughs> indicator of how this is going to go, we will. I will hit stop record on this, and then uh, he will announce something, and we will have to re-record. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you know how much you hate Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Shots fired by you at that lovely. It's stage. not that I hate it. it. Okay, I don't hate it. I just don't want to spend a week there again. I, I would go for a weekend. I will go for a day. It, the campus is very nice. The football stadium is placed very nicely on the campus. But I'm not going to live in Hattiesburg, man. I, I don't feel bad saying that either. I don't think I should have to apologize. Well, I did pick up some very nice venison, which uh, our producer Nick Kruger had to go through all kinds of hoops to bring back to the Atlanta area. But boy, oh boy. Now, you should have seen me. I was like one of those medical transport types with the cooler of ice and the, the foam case. People were asking the me kidney? if I got fingers in the back. Yeah, kidneys. But the, there will be a venison cook-off as soon as I get moved into my new house, uh, assuming that I actually have a place to live come February 1st when my uh, apartment gets torn down. And uh, Nick will be the first one over there having some of this uh, venison fried in a pan. But listen, enough. Hey, man, I'm coming out there for signing day, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll dine on the venison. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Oh, yeah, exactly. So let's tra- transition into Mississippi. We spent a lot of time there last week. Actually, you just left a couple days ago. It's kind of an interesting state because this happens, it seems like, almost every year. It's kind of off the beaten path. There's not a lot of events there. We don't see some of these guys until December, two months before signing day, which I probably used to be a thing that happened all the time when we didn't have all these major events. But this, you know, it, this day and age, in today's college football recruiting landscape, you think we would see. <laughs> you think league. in this league, you think we'd see these guys more. What is it about that state? You're that's you're the primary guy there. What is it about that state that makes these guys kind of so mysterious? And you can have a guy who might be a four star pop up in December, two months before signing day? I think it's a cluster of different things. A, it's a state that is spread out into a bunch of medium-sized cities. There's not one giant hub there. You know, you get your Jackson, you get your Hattiesburg, you get your Starkville, you get your Oxford. There isn't a lot of congregation of great college football players. There are a lot of great college football players, but they're spread out all over the state. Sometimes they're in places without a major airport. There are not seven-on-seven events there. There are not major camps there, except for the year we had the Rivals camp. So it is very conducive for players to fly under the radar in Mississippi. And I think we see that every year. We show up at this Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, and it's like, wow, who is that guy? Or, you know, I knew this guy had offers, but, okay, seeing him in person, now I see why he has them and wonder why he doesn't have more. Uh, You know, it's real interesting to see some of these dudes we've never seen before, and, you know, I think we got a lot of that this week. Yeah, the, the, the guy that emerged a couple of years ago was Chris Jones. I think he's a defensive tackle in Mississippi State, probably going into the draft, probably going to be a first-rounder. Popped up out there, dominated, went to the Under Armour game, did so, ended up earning a, his fifth star. I think that guy this year maybe could be Raekwon Davis, one of the biggest you know, physically guys that I've seen since I've been doing this, six, probably 6'7", six, 6'8", six, would you say he ended up being? Yeah, 6'8", maybe, yeah. 6'8", I think probably fair if not maybe a little bit taller than that and built like a, you know a bit like a piece of sheetrock i'll say it again that scary that time um, well, she, isn't, isn't sheetrock that shows how much you know about sheetrock jesus sheetrock is about like a, a quarter of an inch thick uh, see yeah man i don't build things built, built like a brick wall i think uh you know really brick and mortar when it comes to him but yeah it, it just anyway he, he looks like a college-ready prospect. I mean, he looks like a dude you would see at a Monday press conference at any SEC school in the country already. And he moves pretty well, too. I was real impressed with, with kind of what he did. I thought him and Quinnen Williams were both guys that uh, that really stood out this week, and Quinnen being on, on Team Alabama. 
but man, I just two guys from that area of the country that that really didn't have the accolades that maybe they should have uh, if they would have been playing in a different state. Well, and it, it, it just goes to show that uh, you know this, we travel around all the time. We we go to so many off season events. There's just guys that there are guys that slide under the radar. They're going to people that we miss, and we do our best to try to find them. And that's why we we make those trips at the end. But boy, if if there was only a way that we could see all these guys, uh, you know, we would we wouldn't have those kind of guys that slide under the radar. Look, man, if somebody's listening here and they want to start popping up some kind of Mississippi off season camp. Uh, where they can get all these dudes together, I'll gladly come cover the thing. Yeah, well, I'll put that under my hat just in case, you know, for down the road. <laughs> um, all right, so so another thing that, that's that been happening over the past couple of weeks, the rollout of the Rivals rankings last week was the class of 2016. Uh, this week is the class of 2017. And, uh, boy, towards we get towards the end of the year, it's a crazy time. Kids, kids are tired of us. They don't want to answer the phone. They've got hundreds of reporters calling them. And then the rankings come out. And everyone thinks they had a good season. Everyone thinks they should move up. And then we had we had guys kind of taking to social media to to call us out, or mostly call me out, which is the usual case. Uh, do you think players should should care about their rankings, especially at this at this point in the game? I know it's our biz, but look, man, yeah, it's really easy for me to sit here and be like, they don't matter. They're for the fans, which is all true. But at the same time, I get it. Like, I have a little bit of empathy, despite how I may come off. If somebody, I mean, it's hard to be an 18, 17, 18 year old, 16 year old, 17, 18 year old, and have somebody critiquing any part of you, let alone, you know, how you, a lot of these kids, you know, self identify as football players. What do you, I mean, this is who they, they view themselves as. I mean, for now, and, you know, as, as a young man, it's easy to do that. Uh, and when you self identify as somebody and somebody is critiquing that, that maybe doesn't play that same game and maybe, you know, hasn't been to the level that you've been to, I, I can understand why you'd be upset. And it's easy for me to say, you know, show some restraint, don't go on social media. But, you know, I was 17 at the time, too, so I guess I kind of get it. Uh, it's an unfortunate ordeal for everybody. But, you know, people do jobs, and, and, you know, it's not always easy to swallow down, you know, the pill. And maybe we're wrong, maybe we're right. But, you know, I kind of understand where they come off being upset. Well, and there are, they are teenagers. And, I mean, there's someone who acts like a teenager on social media on a regular basis. <laughs> I, I can't... I can, uh, you know, sort of get where they're coming from. But at the same time, hey, you got my phone number. You know, you, if you've got a problem with me, don't subtweet me, Rob. Come at me, bro. <laughs> See, no, and you know what I do? And I'll tell this story. I will appreciate this. Last ranking cycle, and I won't name the prospect. And I do kind of, I kind of, I've told you his name, obviously. And I do kind of respect it that I got a direct message from him, uh, not a tweet, that just said, man, F rivals. And it was not F. I mean, he used the word that I'm not allowed to use on this podcast. Well, he was right. But, you know, at least I was direct. Yeah, he was ranked in the top 100, too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the best Boy, part. What, that's disrespectful, Rob. <laughs> to, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing is a sign of disrespect. Look, we're trying to do the best we can with the rankings. I know no kids listen to this podcast anyway, but, guys, cut us cut us some slack. I mean, it's a situation this time of year where, where I know Rob and I finished the rankings, and we felt like every one of our the players in our regions dropped, even though, you know, obviously guys had big years. And so there's sometimes there's a few big movers and ends up making everybody else slide, but you know, we, we're trying to do what we can, and more importantly, like you said, it is for the fans to kind of give them a reference point of the players they're getting. And obviously, we want those to be accurate uh, because people look back at them. We got the Super Bowl. There was no five-star recruits in the Super Bowl. I mean, that was a what a tired story that was. But anyway, but anyway, I mean, you know, we're doing the best we can. People, cut us some slack here. All right. So listen, now we have a special guest popping in, Adam Friedman. 
mid-Atlantic analyst. I did an interview with him, and uh, Nick Kruger also popped in on that one earlier. So we'll roll to so that this, Yeah, this segment of the podcast will be without yours truly. I'm sure that's a welcome surprise. This, this segment of the podcast is brought to you by police officers everywhere. <laughs> Adam Friedman, Mid-Atlantic recruiting analyst. Adam, welcome in to uh, the, your first ever appearance on the Commitment Issues podcast. I feel lucky to be here. Thanks for having me, Woody. Boy, so excited. We've got so many questions to ask you about uh, your wardrobe, your, your cop sunglasses and everything like that. But I guess we should start with some actual topics. Clemson, the number one team in the country, just picked up a commitment from Dexter Lawrence, five-star defensive tackle, the number two player in the country. We were actually talking about it before he made the announcement. You thought he was going to NC State. So what do you think happened uh, with him picking Clemson? It was really a toss-up. You know, he's visited NC State and Clemson more than any other schools. The only reason that I thought it could be NC State was because I've never seen a kid visit one school so many times and not pick that school. But Clemson obviously was the favorite or just even with NC State pretty much down the stretch. Uh, but it's a great pickup for NC or for, for Clemson rather. Uh, you know, he could have an impact just like Christian Wilkins did uh, his freshman year. Six foot four, 330, 340 pounds or so. Runs really well, has an endless motor, and he's got a great work ethic. So I I see him getting playing time his freshman year and and really working for more playing time as the as the years go on. Okay, so we've seen Clemson push down into Florida. Rob and I have talked about that a lot. You mentioned Wilkins. Now they've always done well in North Carolina, but now they seem to be pushing farther and farther north. Obviously, Lawrence, another one of those North Carolina kids, but are they kind of the go-to school, kind of the school that has that, I don't know, it factor when it comes to these high-ranked guys up in the mid-Atlantic? They definitely catch their eye. I mean, you saw Venables and a couple other coaches recruiting up in New Jersey earlier this year. They do pretty well in in uh, D.C. and in Maryland. You know, they they were the first offer for uh, the 2017 Rivals 100 defensive back Deion Jones from Washington D.C. Uh, but they do a great job in New Jersey too. They're one of the top two teams for. Uh, Rivals 100 linebacker Drew Singleton from Paramus Catholic in uh, northern New Jersey. So their presence is felt all through my region. So we've seen uh, all kinds of coaching changes happen. Now one of the biggest names in the quarterback carousel that's floating around is Dwayne Haskins. Uh, We've heard him mentioned with Florida. We've heard him mentioned with LSU. He went to Ohio State this weekend, and now it appears like they might have the upper hand. So what do you see him doing, I guess, if you're making a prediction? And kind of just uh, how does he fit in with these other quarterback dominoes like Jacob Eason and Felipe Franks and those guys? Well, before this weekend, it looked like it was either going to be Maryland or Florida, depending on what Jacob Eason did. Uh, now that he went to Ohio State over the weekend, it sounds a lot like Ohio State has om- almost more momentum than, my, uh, than, Flo- than uh, Maryland does. It all really depends on who Maryland's going to hire as their offensive coordinator, if they're going to keep Mike Loxley. If they don't, will he end up going up to Ohio State? There's been a couple of rumors about that, whether or not Tim Beck is going to still be there next year, if Mike Loxley would end up filling that position. So it's still a very fluid situation. I don't expect we're going to hear anything final until Maryland makes a hire at the offensive coordinator position. Okay, so we heard Tennessee wide receivers coach Zach Kazani get mentioned for that job. You mentioned Mike Loxley, the guy who Haskins loves, who had been at Maryland. How do you see it shaking out? I mean, we know uh, you and Loxley have a good relationship. Azani appears headed to Maryland from from all indications. So how do you see it kind of shaking out with that coaching uh, dominoes there? 
Well, Maryland has they've had they've had some issues finding some offensive uh, coordinators. You know, they really wanted Tim Beck. They really wanted Jed Fish. They really wanted uh, Zordich from Michigan. They they like Azani. You know, Azani and and uh, DJ Durkin, Maryland's new head coach, are really good friends. I think they were in each other's weddings. So uh, there's a great r- relationship there. But um, you know. Ri- since they haven't had a whole lot of momentum with those other guys, Mike Loxley's name has resurfaced, and he's got a lot of momentum behind him right now. Uh, he's been out recruiting with uh, the Maryland staff in the D.C. area. He was uh, really instrumental in the, this past weekend when Maryland had a lot of their commits on campus, really solidified those commitments. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was eventually retained with a new title of some sort but um you know there's it's still a very fluid situation at maryland with their offensive coaches okay so if ha- so if he stays then haskins stays with maryland that's what you're saying yeah okay yeah, i believe that so take that ohio state fans put it under your cap a little bit of inside info uh it's interesting to see i mean we've talked about this with uh me and old rob robbie boy the the quarterback dominoes are still in flux i mean it, it's almost like the difference, you know, with these assistant coaches, I mean, we essentially start the recruitment over again with two months to go, a race to the finish line. You've seen five or six different coaching changes, all kinds of fresh blood in the ACC. I guess if we, you know, we're not going to break down each one of them, but if you had to say one of these new coaches, whether it be at Virginia, Virginia Tech, some of the other programs, who's going to have the biggest impact from a recruiting standpoint? I think it can be DJ Durkin at Maryland if he hires the right uh, the right assistant coaches and even if he doesn't he probably will still have a major major impact on the recruitment there but I really want to emphasize that, that coach Fuente at Virginia Tech he's really active on the recruiting trail it's something that you know guys in Virginia haven't seen for a long time you know those assistants did a really good job under coach Beamer but coach Fuente he's out on the road he's hustling and uh, that's some that's some new energy in that state and it's a pretty talent rich state so I I want to. I'm really excited to see what they're what they're able to do. That's interesting because he did not recruit the state of Tennessee particularly well, even when he was at Memphis. He sort of ignored a lot of the prospects in the city. He wasn't a guy that a lot of people loved. That's why I was thought it was interesting to see his name thrown around for the Miami job because people, you know, would associate some of the guys in Memphis with some of the guys in Miami. But you know, he did most of his work in Texas, so it's nice to see him kind of tapping in locally to a lot of those. Uh, players that you rank very highly <laughs> well hey he, he went down to the tidewater region of virginia really early on solidified their commitments over there and and is really you know they they brought uh, another wide receiver back into the fold you know philip patterson decommitted when coach beamer announced that he would be retiring at the end of the year coach fuente talked to him and you know they retained zon burden the wide receivers coach was a which was a great move by him and that really helped bring Patterson back into the fold so I expect them to really really make sure that they're doing well in the Tidewater area again which is where Virginia Tech was doing well in the heyday of of Frank Beamer. Right we're talking guys like Michael Vick and the like from down in that area right. Absolutely. So so we're here in uh, Spartanburg South Carolina sitting at a Hampton Inn and uh, Nick Kruger our, our Excellent producer in his hotel room. We got all kinds of pillows and blankets and stuff set up to try to reduce the echo that we had last week. It's when, really a lounge. Well, last week when Andrew Bone wouldn't stop talking for you know when he went through Derrick Henry's entire career rundown uh, <laughs> for his Heisman endorsement, but uh, you know for us to be here gives us a chance to see a lot of different players. I guess you know one of the problems we've seen with these regional All Star games is guys backing out. You know, and for 
for a lot of people, before there was the Under Armour game, before there was the Army game, there was a game like this where you know it meant a big deal to represent your state. So would you say that players, especially from the respective Carolinas, we're talking a game that you know Jadeveon Clowney just played in a few years ago, Todd Gurley. Do you, we, do you think that's a bad sign for the players? I mean, do you, do you, does it hurt them at all in your eyes in terms of, you know, their ability to compete, or do you think it's a smart move considering, you know, there's, there's not a lot of upside, upside for the top-ranked guys? Yeah, I would kind of go with the latter there. Um, the way that the Under Armour game and the Army game have really put games like this out of business is, you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance behind it. And, you know, this game is in a small town. They get a good crowd at the game, but there's not a, not a big crowd during the week when there are practices. And, you know, they get to do some nice charitable things during the week, but there's not a lot of gear. There's not a lot of uh, uh, flashy things going on. And, you know, the Players just don't see a whole lot of benefit to it when, in a couple of weeks, they're going to be going to one of these major all-star games. So, uh, you know, there's, there's this game is well run, and they've got they've got some good people behind it. But uh, if they want to continue to to be around, they should probably look look to add some more flash to it. We saw the same type of game, you know, kind of fade away in further up in the north. Uh, it was called the Chesapeake Bowl, and it's no longer around. They had guys from. You know, Virginia, Maryland, D.C. play against Pennsylvania, new kids from New Jersey, and uh, that game's no longer around because it was just uh, not a whole lot going on with it. So. Yeah, that used to be a big deal. I yeah. think uh, even uh, did Nick? Did you fly up there for that one before? Nick doesn't have a mic on. It doesn't have a mic on. He he's nodding yes in approval. So yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. We don't want you know the the Spartanburg tourist board would really be hurt if uh, didn't have. Me, me coming to town to go frequent some of the local spots. Uh, Shout out to Willie's Tacos. Yeah, Willie's Willie's Tacos. We went last night. Farmer's Table, great breakfast place, uh, which I had a lot of breakfast food at this morning. So uh, all types of happening. So okay, well now let's get. We talked enough football, I think, for for one day. Let's talk a little bit of uh, turkey. We talked about, you know, we refer to Adam as Officer Friedman for <laughs> those who don't realize because of his sunglasses that he wears. Break it down. How much does it make you angry when we're making fun of you about the sunglasses, and do you keep wearing them? <laughs> yeah, I wear those sunglasses like all the time, man. No, it doesn't bother me at all. But uh, yeah, it's, it bothers it's... him a little bit. You can tell by his voice. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't really bother me a whole lot. I'm still going to wear them. I'm not going to go spend two hundred dollars on a new pair of sunglasses. So wait, what's? Well, do you remember the time you left the sunglasses at my house and it was near threat level yeah, midnight in terms was, of getting those suckers yeah, back? Yeah, I was about to drive back to your house at like midnight to go get those. Uh, what's my nickname? Do I have a nickname? Among the staff. No, you're just known as the complainer. Just the guy, well, no, the guy who keeps it 100 at, at all times. That's what he will make. To a fault sometimes. Speaking of complaints, uh, you know, we, we do have rants and recommendations with me and old Rob coming up here at the end, but we wanted to give you a chance, Adam, to complain about something because you secretly complain a lot in a more angry fashion uh, than I do. A lot of people find my rants comedic in nature, but <laughs> you get real fired up, so let's hear it. A couple weeks ago, I was flying down to Florida and you know, of course, my fiance she picks the longest security line. Uh, Adam just got engaged. Congratulations, yeah, by the way. Thank you. So she picked the longest line, and yes, it was an unintentional. But you know, I'm never going to let her pick a line uh, again. But so we, we get close to the front after waiting about half hour, forty five minutes uh, to get to the, uh, the 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 metal detector, and this couple with their infant child in their stroller comes barreling through the line like they're about to miss their flight skipping about 150 to 200 people and they've got to break down their whole stroller carry their infant 
fold all their her little her little blankets and everything, and then they've got to take off their shoes and all fifteen of their laptops and iPads and all this stuff, and held up the line for a good fifteen minutes while we'd already been waiting there for another a half hour, forty five minutes. So. Nick asked Friedman to change his rant from from TSA related, and he brought it back again anyway. Just more specific. <laughs> this one really, this one really got to me though. This was the latest. All one. right, okay. All right. All right, back to back to me and Rob talking. We're back, and I'm back. Uh, thank you to Adam Friedman for joining us on the podcast. We'll try to get some different voices on here as much as we can. And you know, again, thanks for our Mid Atlantic analyst Adam Friedman for joining Woody for that tremendously insightful interview. Uh, anyway, we're back for our favorite segment and everybody's favorite segment, Rants and Recommendations, which I am admittedly struggling with this week because I have been on the road constantly and have taken in exactly zero pop culture. But So we'll start with Woody and kind of let him, uh, what you got on, on deck for the, this week, Woody? Oh boy, what don't I have? What don't I have to complain about? And uh, <laughs> as as a guy as a guy who's always fired up about something, I do actually want to keep it positive this week. Of course, we have uh, we have uh, actually this is going to tie in with me and Nick. The Serial Podcast came back this week. If you're a fan who uh, who enjoys podcasts, you're listening to this thing. Listen to Serial. I enjoy it. I enjoy the uh, reporting and the research on there. Of course, it tickles Rob's buying bone from that standpoint. But Nick Kruger just giving me the, the the evil eye from across the table. This is actually his rant on this podcast and podcasts of its ilk. So, Nick, why don't you tell us why you don't like Serial? Well, okay, so here's the deal. Woody recommended this podcast to me, and I'm familiar with last season's. I didn't listen to it all. But I, uh, my understanding of the first season was, you know, the guy was on trial for murder, and it more or less was like, eh, you know, I don't really remember the details, and maybe I am guilty, maybe I'm not, I don't know, you know, and it's just no, no, a, no, it's just a real in-depth detailing guilty. of this guy's like general <laughs> indifference to how guilty he is in this murder process here. You know, Woody sells me on the second season, says, oh, yeah, it's the story about the, well, I guess I shouldn't spoil too much, but, you know, the premise is the guy wanders off his post in Afghanistan, gets captured by the Taliban, and it's, uh, you know, did he do the right thing? Were his motives, you know, pure and genuine, et cetera, et cetera. And they play audio of, you know, his uh, perspective and point of view on things. And I got to say, you know, if this if this is, if if this podcast is to make us feel like he was justified in doing what he did or he's innocent from the things that he's being charged of so far through one in, one episode and a second pending for me it fails miserably and that's look, and, look, and man, I don't it's, recommend but it's not, it's, listening to this all right it's not about it's not about the guy proving his innocence it's just about kind of exploring the story from both sides i don't think that anybody even in the last season said that the podcast was done to, you know, exonerate a non-Saeed or to exonerate this guy. I mean, I, I don't think... No, but know, my, my, point, a, my, point is, my point is if the details are on the table for whatever case we're talking about, whether this guy being in jail for murder or this guy wandering off his post in Afghanistan, if all the details are made known to the general public, we can all form our own opinions. We don't need somebody telling us the story over again <laughs> that, doesn't change, that doesn't add any facts or, or different, you know... Well, I think the hope is... That you know, you, Nick's already out on it after one episode. But I think the hope it, the hope is that you will listen to it and get unique stuff through the quality reporting that is brought to you by Sarah Kane. That's, and, and that's what happened in the last season. I think there was definitely some new things. I mean, obviously, uh, I thought it was very interesting. Okay, so okay. So let me ask you this then: here. Was the guy in the first season innocent or guilty? Okay, it, neither. He's getting an appeal right now. Okay, I but think that, but based okay, on based that, on what you my, 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 based on what you heard from the first season, do you feel he's innocent or guilty? My my 
My opinion is that they did not prove that he was guilty, but I think he definitely killed him. Okay, so they didn't so they didn't come to a definitive conclusion one way or the other. You listened to 14 episodes for nothing. <laughs> okay, listen. Well, there wasn't going to be a definitive conclusion. I mean, what I mean, Sarah Koenig is not the judge on the case. He, she can't exonerate him. I don't I, I got news for I you. I, I got I, news you for you. Just, Jay did it, okay? Season 1, Jay did it. Number for, 1. Number 2. For sure. Oh, Jay no. Right. Adnan he he may have been involved, but there was definitely not enough to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. I think we all know that. I think we would say that that, that trial was bogus and that crazy lawyer he had was a major problem. Now, season two, I don't know. But just that's, look at look at all the debate this sparked. That's what makes it a good show, in my humble opinion. So uh, that is that is my recommendation. Rob, you got anything to complain about? I mean, we had Adam Friedman give a really drawn-out, uh, boring complaint earlier. That might be my complaint is that he's gotten – he complained <laughs> – he complains all the time, but then we give him a microphone, and he can't come up with anything uh, to complain about. So, you got anything? Um, no, you know, no, not really. Uh, I'm a pretty happy guy this week. I think I'm just so happy to be to be back in, in sunny South Florida and not uh, where I was previously. So, no, I'm pretty good on complaints, I think, man. All right, so that about wraps it up for us. Uh, of course, Woody Womack at Rivals Woody, Rob at Cassidy underscore Rob. Rivals Krug City, Nick Kruger. I give the Twitter handle first when describing uh, his name. And then uh, a reminder, follow us at Rivals Podcast. Please send us some email, rivalspodcast at yahoo.com. And more importantly, subscribe. Leave us a review, please. Rob, how many uh, how many people have you bothered to give us a review this week? We know your entire fraternity has already done it. Uh, have you been bothering anybody else this week? <laughs> No, I have, I've been too busy eating barbecue in Mississippi and covering uh, and covering high school football to, to bug any other fraternity guys, but maybe I need to. Well, uh, I'll get back on that next week. I was planning on getting a lot of reviews. Oh, we also need to shout out. We also need to shout out Jake. Or we need to shout out M. Deuce again, whose uh, music is probably playing right <laughs> now. You, and you're currently tapping your foot to it. Who you continue to want to call J. Deuce for some reason? I'd like to hear the story. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but hey, I caught myself that time. Right? At least I didn't call him a piece of sheetrock. Yeah. All right. M. Deuce, play us out, please. <laughs>